You're listening to Spirits, Oddities, and Mysteries. Because no good podcast starts with a salad. Hello, lover. Hello, darling. Welcome to episode two Dose. of Spirits, Oddities, and Mysteries. I hope you guys have checked out our first episode. It is labeled as the pilot episode because it's our pilot episode. It is. We have some pretty fun stuff planned for you guys this episode. We did get a sneak peek of each other's topics this time although i will be honest i don't remember what she talked about and that's why we're re-recording and we are re-recording because oh well it was the last day the beach was open i might have had one too many cocktails and then proceeded to drink jack daniels tennessee honey whiskey when we got back (laughs) so uh we are drinking spirits This episode, we wanted to make sure we stuck with the theme. I am drinking Jack Daniels Honey Whiskey, Honey Liqueur, blended with Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey. (laughs) My beautiful wife apparently is drinking wine again, but she's going to go ahead and have a sip of Honey Whiskey so that I'm not lying. Oh, it's so far away. Cords everywhere. That's the sound of my beautiful ice ball. Of Tennessee Whiskey. In my lowball glass. I'll put a picture of that on Instagram so you can see it next to the bottle of honey whiskey. We'll see how much so luck. Classy like. It's so good. And and what are you drinking, my love? Mm, I am drinking a Cabernet Sauvignon by Barefoot. I enjoy drinking Barefoot wines because we got married barefoot on the beach. One of our boldest red wines bursting with big berry flavors of raspberry and blackberry jam. Fire up the grill and uncork it at your next backyard barbecue. So Barefoot, depending on who you talk to, it seems to have a bad rap. Their champagne and their wine, I mean, quite a few of them are really, really good. Me gusta. I will give them a shout out anytime. I say, don't listen to what other people say about it. Try it for yourself. It is actually really good wine. And they're not sponsors, so we just gave them that for free. You could totally sponsor us, though. Neither is Jack Daniels. And I don't even know if we're allowed to use these names if they're not sponsors, but I guess we'll find out. No, we could give a shout out and props to things we like. As long as they don't want to be disassociated from our show. Because I know, like, in movies, I want to think, I'm trying to think of uh, uh, you're E.T. Making a, you're trying to make us too big already. They don't care what they don't care episodes what we do. of a yeah. podcast have <laughs> to say about their products. I'm just saying. If, if for whatever reason, like, let's say it was a controversial subject and they wanted to be disassociated from the podcast then they can tell you to cease and desist and you just have to pull that out but all right so we have some pretty cool stuff to uh talk about before we get into our individual topics something my beautiful wife here brought up the last time we tried to record episode two go ahead and kick us off my love well it's kind of it's kind of crazy 
a little bit. And actually, so the good news is to you guys, we actually have some more information than we had last time we attempted to record this episode. Update. But it's not really an update because you'll never hear that. That's true. A little background on all this is that we have home security and every night it goes off and notifies me whenever there's movement in the house and I'm pretty lame and make sure I look at it every morning. I'm always terrified I'm going to see a ghost floating across the screen at some point, but I... Secretly hoping she sees a ghost float across the screen. That's truly why she checks the camera every single morning. But at the same time, it's like that, like, I want to see it, but I don't want to see it in my house. You know? We have some stories for future episodes. There are some things that have happened at multiple houses that we've lived in that we will share for a future episode. Back to this story. I was watching the footage when there was a strobing light in our living room. And at that point, I assumed probably an ambulance across the street or one of the neighbors. So, of course, I jumped on Facebook. And as we live in a small, closed neighborhood, everybody posts everything that's going on. Every little detail. Straight cat walking down the main street. (laughs) I mean, it's on there. It's all on there. Nothing whatsoever about an ambulance. So then I think, well, maybe it was a tow truck. So I dismissed it. And then a separate night, strobing again, but this time in our dining room. And at this point, I made the realization that it was coming from the computer. And of course, this is terrifying to me because at first I thought it was ghosts. And then I realized somebody must be hacking our computer and trying to look at us in the middle of the night. So she tells me about it. I take a look at the footage and I'm like, yeah, definitely coming from a monitor both times. There's a computer over there. Then it happens again. Not only is it coming from the computer, it also appears that the iPad has joined the party and the iPad is now flashing. It's a flash party. So I did a bunch of research on the computers. Uh, My brother's super, super good with computers. He gave me some advice how to look up like the logs and see all the different stuff that the computer is supposedly doing at these times, which were time stamped exactly by the camera. And there were no logs during the time that the computer monitor happened to be going off. It happens again after I have this conversation with my brother and I realize, okay, that one was definitely the iPad. And not only is it flashing, but there's some sort of light coming off of it, going on the wall that looks kind of like a flashlight on the wall. It looks like a beauty blogger mirror. If you, all the girls out there who watch them videos, it's a perfect circle of light with a dark center it looks like a beauty blogger. For man. the rest of the society that doesn't watch beauty blogger stuff, it looks like a flashlight ring on the wall, and then the, the monitor appears to be flashing as well. And there's like a solid light and then a flashing light. Turns out it is the facial recognition activating itself. There's a website that my brother found, sent it over to me. It's called Ghost Phone or something like that. The newer iPhones and the newer iPads are doing this in the middle of the night. Which does not make me feel any better. The official explanation is that if the app associated with facial recognition has a random update, periodically it will activate the facial recognition 
However, it happened again, and it happened four times in one night. And that's just how many times the camera catches it. I don't know how many times it's happening in addition to that, where the camera happens to not be looking over there. Gives me a big sense of nope. To to wrap up this story, we still don't know officially what's causing it. Like, if it is just apps updating, like, way, way more often than I feel like they, you know, need to update. Or... We have a tech-savvy ghost trying to hack our iPad. The wife's theory was, well, maybe a bug is hitting the screen and causing it to activate the screen. Another window into being married to Brandon. Well, I couldn't just accept this as an answer. I wanted to run some tests, and I uh, grabbed some various bugs. Lots of them. Most of them still alive, because we didn't know if being alive or dead made a difference, but we put them on the iPad screen. To see if it would activate the facial recognition. We tried moths. We tried mosquitoes. We tried... Mama bugs. Mama bugs, which are also known as mayflies. And none of them set off the touch sensitivity of the screen, which would activate the facial recognition. So thus far, the only potential logical explanation would be that these apps are updating. Oh. However, some of my previous experiences with the paranormal, whenever you have something that is hypersensitive, especially if it is electronically involved, where the iPad and iPhone is unique in how it registers your finger touching the screen, is by measuring the electrical charge from your body, to put it simply, based on what I've read. I'm not ruling out that... A ghost, if they do in fact exist, and I happen to personally believe in them, that they would not be able to manifest the energy necessary to mess with the screen enough to cause it to think somebody's touching it. That is the uh, interesting happenings in the Tudor household. Moving on to the stories that we have prepared for you. I'll let you go first, lover. Oh, thank you. You're so kind. You're so beautiful. Love you. And I love you. Java's being cute right now, too. That is our Yorgi, and our Beagle is Duff, if I cut that out of the previous episode, because we didn't tell you that once before. No, you cut it out. Yeah, I think it got cut out. Yeah, but they're both being really cute, but Java's just cuddling with Mama. All right, I am doing the Isidore Fink murder, also known as the Locked Room Mystery. I do remember the name. Well, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) That is very good. This case has been referred to by the New York commissioner as an insolvable mystery. Insolvable, you say? Yes. Not unsolvable. He said insolvable. We looked this up last time. It is a word. (laughs) (laughs) Just not the right word. But it's not the right word. But we'll take it because he's an ayaka. To translate, she just said New Yorker. Thank you. We're going to take you all the way back to 1929 for this story. Isidore Fink was a Polish immigrant that came here shortly after World War I. And once he moved here, he saved up enough money doing odd jobs and working hard to open his own laundromat. Laundromat, as uh, they say out here. He, he laundered the, the mat. No. No laundered the clothes? Yes. All right. We'll go with that. Uh, So he's very, very hardworking, and he worked in a pretty rough neighborhood in New York 
in the 1920s. Uh, he was on uh, East 132nd Street, which was known for being pretty rough. Lots of robberies, muggings. It was a it was a pretty rough and tumble time. He was a very cautious man, and he took lots of extra precautions to keep his business safe because at this point in time it was hard to save up money to open a business and he So had what types that. of precautions did he take? He made sure to nail all of his windows shut to put multiple locks on the door and when he opened the door it was only once he had had you yell through the door who you were he had looked through the window to make sure he knew who you were. What? At a laundromat? Yes. That's insane. On top of it being a laundromat. Was he was mob related? Also, he was not. Okay. It was also his home. Oh, okay. So he like created the laundromat out of his home and made sure that he knew who was coming to it his was, house. Yeah. And it was very common at this time. Mostly word of mouth customers, I'm assuming, like people he knew. Uh, I mean- sure how he built a business around keeping his doors locked up tight seems odd like really odd but yeah he he lived and worked out of here he was very just untrusting because he didn't want to lose everything that he worked hard for yeah understandably i get that so still seems very difficult to run a business that way but yeah but i mean maybe if you're the only launderer in the area in new york well, in your close block community, because everybody wants to stay close by, you know. Especially for laundry. Seriously. You don't want to bring your stanky ass clothes everywhere. Uh, but he quite often joked around with his customers, and he would always say, some night I'll be robbed of everything, but they'll have a tough time getting in. So he knew he was being extra precautious. On the night of March 9th, 1929, 30-year-old Fink arrived back home slash his laundromat after delivering all the laundry he had done for that day. He would walk to each of his clients' homes, drop off their stuff, and then come back home. When he got home, that would be his last evening of life. He dies. He does. You know I like murder. I know you like murder. Well, again, she likes the mystique of murder, not actual murder. Yeah, I'm not a murderer. So around 10 p.m. that night, and the things that I read says between 10 and 10.30. Some say 10.15, you know, somewhere in between 10 and 10.30 that night. Uh, His neighbor, Mrs. Lachlan Smith, heard either a scuffle. Not a scuffle. A scuffle. A scuffle. And a loud thud. Or a loud thud. Yes. Or she heard a gunshot. And a loud thud. The reports on this vary vastly. That's a big difference. I know. But either way, she thought that this was a huge issue because her neighbor was a very quiet man. And normally, she didn't have these issues with loud noises. So she left her house to go find a patrolman to tell that there is a problem. Because you can't just call up the police, apparently. You gotta go run around looking for them. Sounds exhausting. Hot tub time machine. Sponsor us. Oh. (laughs) So when she found the police and reported to them what she had heard, they thought that they should check it out, 
And the first officer that came to the scene was Albert Cadenburn. The door was locked tight and they could not get in. At this point in time, as he's trying to find his way in, backup is showing up. The neighborhood being busy and whatever, you know, everybody's around. Now they're really interested because there's police officers in front of their laundromat. He's not answering the door and nobody can open any windows. Nobody can open the door. So what they do is they find that the window above the door is either unlocked or they broke it open. Now this window is called a transom window. What is a transom window? Small rectangular window above a door. The width of the door, but very thin. There's two reports. One says they shattered the transom window. One says that that was the only window that was unlocked. And since it was so small, they looked through the crowd to find the smallest child that they could and hoisted him through the transom window to unlock the door. So you're telling me that their solution to a potential scuffle and or gunshot inside a home that they have no idea what's going on inside was to send a small child through an unlocked or broken window yes so this is what leads me to think that it was unlocked because i feel like if they had to break a window they'd break a normal window right like if that window was already broken they'd be like okay we'll just break another window and go in so transom window unlocked nobody could fit through it they found a small frail skinny <laughs> child i hope they put him through like head first and then he was just thud. like <laughs> thud, thud. <laughs> he's <laughs> in you know what it would sound like <laughs> i think he's unconscious find us another child go the locksmith so they pushed him is that through- monty python and the holy grail no that's uh the one with robin of Luxley. oh uh robin hood men and tights yes all right <laughs> because he can't open the chastity belt. By the way, her random... Do that again. In the last episode, we went back and forth with some noises. And then she randomly makes that noise. And post-edit, all of the previous noises were removed. So it ended with just her making that noise. <laughs> and I was going to try to get it out. And then I was like, no, you know what? That's hilarious. And people are going to be like, why did she just do that? Well, I do have a habit of making that noise. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So after the boy went brat, brat, bow onto the floor. All right, that's one too many blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'll cut you. After the boy fell through the window, knocked unconscious, they found a second boy, put him through. There was no second oh, boy. Oh, okay. It was just the first boy. And once they hoisted him in and let him fall to the floor, he was stuck in a room with one dead Isidore Fink. The little boy? Yes. He... What? He unlocked the door for the police officers, and they came in to do their investigation. Did he see the dead body? I mean, it was a very, very small room. Oh. And he was very, very shot to death in the middle of the room. Once the boy opened the door for the police officers, they came in to a crime scene that was incredibly perplexing. Perplexing, you say? Perplexing. They found Isidore Fink in the room, shot three times, twice in the chest, once in the left wrist. Well, I was about to say definitely the mafia, but now you ruined it. Yeah, no. Definitely a defense wound. He was trying to 
were like, Block, don't shoot me. And they just shot through his hand, which would really suck in general. I mean, like more than getting shot in the chest. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. So anyways, they they found him shot to death in the center of the floor of his laundromat slash home. He had all the windows nailed shut and the door was locked from the inside. Now, is this one of those locks that you can lock and then shut the door behind you and it locks? No. This is a lock that... Deadbolt? Deadbolted. He had multiple deadbolts and they were all locked from the inside. Interesting. The only way that the child was able to do it was he had the keys in the lock and he had locked them. So he had already locked up for the day once he arrived home. And at this point, the cops are like, where's the gun? Where's anything? There's no murder weapon. And the body is locked inside of a room. And there's no way out unless you unlock the door and left. So when you say they couldn't find anything, like even the bullet casings, things like that were removed? No casings, no gun, just a dead body. Was there perhaps a note that said, like, my name is, I killed this man? No, sadly. You can find me at this address? No. So there's no one in the room. However, that was one of the theories. What was one of the theories? What do you mean? Everyone speculated on the different ways that he could have been killed. And one of the ways that they thought was that somebody killed him. And while the police were searching for clues, the person had been dressed up as a police officer and walked out with them. Wait. All right. So I have an issue with this theory. How big? I mean, I know it's New York police, but it's still a localized branch. It's not like they had the FBI, the CIA, the whatever other alphabet branches of the government there including the police like wouldn't they just recognize hey that guy doesn't work with us you would think considering you know they all came on foot right and and horseback i assume totally <laughs> what that was, was my that? horse oh you don't like it that was a beautiful horse i don't believe you other people speculated that it was suicide wait and he got rid of the gun this was another problem with their theory however the coroner also said that and i quote the man has been murdered the position of the body and location of the wounds indicate beyond a doubt that fink could not have shot himself not to mention the fact that he can't make the gun and bullets disappear after shooting himself and dying you think (laughs) so there was a couple other people who speculated that Someone shot him through the transom window. Wait, okay. So if but let's if he like, was in there. Back to the theory if it was just unlocked. Oh yeah, the the window. The transom window being yeah. unlocked, they just reached through and right. shot they him like, from the window. Knock knock knock. And he was like, Who's at the door? And they were like, Boom. <laughs> that one makes sense. <laughs> However, they wouldn't have shot him in the chest twice. He wouldn't have tried to defend himself. And he had gunpowder burns because he was shot at such a close range. Yeah, I would actually go so far as to say he would have defended himself if somebody stuck a gun through a transom window, perhaps put a ladder up against the door. He reached up like to block himself. They should. I don't know how good they were at investigating in the 1920s, but they should be able to determine the angle of the shot if his hand was 
well, they, held upward or they straight forward. They did decide that there's no way that they could have gotten that close through the transom window. Because of the gunshot. Right? Because yeah. he had gunshot or gunpowder burns. Gunpowder burns. They're yeah. so close. One of the final, I mean, not final, because if you go on Reddit, oh, there are so many theories. However, my personal favorite is that an acrobat killed him and then dove through the transom window after he murdered him. So I assume after shooting the man, he did several back handsprings, lunging himself upward while and flicking open back the window. flipping through the window. Yes. I don't want to totally deflate the excitement of this story, but what if he had a key? This has been brought up on Reddit. That was my first thought as well, but everyone seems to say that like that it's not a possibility. The acrobat and suicide. They also They also have ruled those out. That's why this is the insolvable murder. I, I do agree that it's in well, it has not yet been solved, but I feel like either a key or I don't know if the listeners are aware of a bump key, but I'm sure they existed back in the nineteen twenties with such simple but locks. What I also cannot find, which drives me nuts, is that what I'm wondering is in his locking system... Did he have a chain lock? Was there a chain lock? And I'm sure there was. And for, that, for them to roll out to a key been. being involved, yes. there had to have been a, a physical locking. slide lock that you had to lock from the inside. Because you did mention the doors were all locked from the inside. Right, with multiple locks. So, so yeah. That's, you know, I'm picturing he's got, like, one of those locks that actually flips over, hooks, and yeah. then you... I mean, if you got Reddit involved, and these are some of the smartest guys uh, like combined that exist today, they probably would have jumped on the key theory and or the bump key theory. And there is one Reddit user that I heard about through a video that I had watched that got their hands on the original case file, Ooh, which is fantastic. I would love to hear more information. So if you're out there and you're listening to this, Shoot us an email or tweet at us. Tell me more because I am so intrigued by this whole thing. How this could actually, you know, happen. Spirits, oddities, and mysteries at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have to assume there was a slide lock or some sort of chain lock that was locked from the inside. So back to the mystery of it had to be somebody small enough to fit out that transom window. Or some sort of supernatural ghost entity went through the wall. And the police searched the entire place, fingerprinted it, and only Isidore Fink's fingerprints were in the entire building. I mean, yeah. So whoever it was. They didn't touch anything when they were doing the flip-flops. Now, the only other theory that I would have personally, and again, I'd have to look into this more because this is the first I'm hearing of this particular case. If it was like mob related, and I'm sure the mob was fairly active back in the 20s, it is possible that the police and or commissioner and or the coroner, it is it is possible that they simply just lied on the reports. This is a good theory, and I have seen this also in the Reddit streams. This also kind of correlates to the idea that when they first ran the story in the newspaper, they think that the eyewitness's name was changed because her name was Lachlan Smith. 
which sounds a lot like locksmith. <laughs> that is funny. I will say, and I'm not a big fan of coincidences, <laughs> but that surprisingly does happen more often than one would think. I mean, you see like politicians and authors and all of these different people that they're their last names or even their first names so perfectly fit with the career path that they're in. This is very true. So, I, well, that is a good point, and it is possible. But I, you did mention that there were, like, countless people gathered around. Oh, yeah. There was tons of people. They all wanted to know what was going on in their neighborhood, on their street. The laundromat had cops at it. They couldn't get shoving a small boy. I mean, yeah. it would definitely be, like, a speculation I feel like at least some of the things that they reported had to be true or all of these people would have been like, what? You, they, they walked in right through the front door. What are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, like They had to have shoved a boy through there for it to be everybody standing around being like, you could take my son. <laughs> I love that. There's uh, <laughs> I forget the name of the video or who did the video. If we find it, I'll put it on Instagram. But <laughs> they're, I, they did a fake casting for children actors and when they brought their kids they would be like your kid is going to be near flames and toxic gases and they'd be like, oh no that's okay oh, they're around that all the time sweetie, please use he, them he loves to be by fire <laughs> it was it was so funny and it was legitimately like people that thought it was a real casting for a real movie and were willing to put their kids in extreme harm just to get them out there and then Hollywood. they were willing to sign this waiver saying yes i will be in this video because i want my kid to have a brief moment of glory i can make lots of money off of their fame <laughs> <laughs> no i i love the video i'll try to find it and put that on our facebook so you guys can watch it you might have already seen it but uh if you guys have seen it and I did not put it on my Facebook, please email it to us or go ahead and just uh, direct message us through Facebook. I'll, I'll put it up there for everybody. Slide into our DMs, yo. I don't even know what that means. Direct messages? Slide into our direct messages. Yeah. You mean like slide that video our way? We've been in a relationship for far too long for you to understand that. I listen to all the hip lingo with the teenagers that's true that's true that's true so that's also we are going to post a video to explain why we do that that's true there's a, a couple of i don't even know what they are like spiritually enlightened ladies cult members ladies <laughs> i don't want to bash them in any way but they are absolutely insane how how can you say I don't want to bash them and then call them insane in the same I mean, same in a good breath. way. I mean, insane in a good way. Like, it's they're like not like, sane. You're ugly. No offense. It's exactly like that. <laughs> you cannot take offense to that statement if you say no offense afterwards. That's true. That's true. So, that's true. <laughs> lady one uh, does this, like, thing with her hands. And well, both of them are doing this thing with their hands above their heads. You've probably seen the video. If I not, really it's wish that we were live streaming so you could see his hand gestures right now. Yeah, you'll see her doing it in the video. You'll see both of them doing it. One of them it locks into this channel. She of, is a antennae. Yeah, they're both antennae, but one of them is locked in and like getting information from the universe and spewing it back to us in her videos. The other is the confirmation antennae. And all she says in most of the videos is, that's true <laughs> however if 
you spend as much time watching their videos as I do because I love a train wreck. I cannot look away. She claims that there are tons of times. Oh, by the way, she's saying that's true because the statements that are coming from the universe are on a channel that is giving her correct information. And if it's untrue, then she, I yeah. presumably. So, one girl's talking. Yeah. Basically just nonstop. And they. Like, I'll give you an is... example here. Like. The trees of the universe are telling us that we should not reproduce That's because you don't want to have children in this world. And the other one's doing the "That's true" thing, uh, but it, apparently, according to her, she at times says "That's not true," but we never see those cuts because, and this actually makes sense, if somebody stumbled upon one of their videos and saw them saying something that was untrue coming from some bad channel in the universe and then you turned off the video you would assume that thing they said was true from the universe on a good channel but you would have never heard her say that's not true so they, uh, they don't want to risk that so they only put the true stuff out there that's true it's exhausting and awesome and once i show it to you i hope you watch like countless hours like i have uh... so even if they are upset about the fact that i called them insane and I, I mean that in the nicest way possible i hope they like the fact that we're sending them all two of our listeners hi guys thank you dana thank you marissa love you <laughs> <laughs> hi Vale. we have oh, three three Vale. sorry i can't believe i forgot about Vale. i know she, we have three listeners she's awesome oh all you guys are awesome thanks for listening we love you <laughs> subscribe <laughs> i only didn't mention you Vale, because Allie sent you that uh, audio. I did not, so it didn't wasn't on the top of my head. Should have been. She says she's proud of you. Oh, thank you. She's awesome. She is awesome. All of them are awesome. Don't feel left out, Dana, Marissa. You guys are also awesome. How many podcasters out there can name all of their listeners? Hey, right now, I think we can. <laughs> so I'm going to do it. <laughs> all right. So that's pretty much the end of my story because... It's never been solved, and it's absolutely perplexing crime. I think it's most likely never going to be solved because it's like a hundred years old and almost a hundred years it. old. You know what good came out of this? What? It spiraled off thousands of books about unsolvable locked room mysteries. That is good. Also, it gave us content for our podcast. Thanks. Also good. So if you the are, person who died, I am not laughing at this person. But if you are the killer, if you want to come forward, and I will give you the recognition that you deserve. I'm pretty sure he's dead, or she. You don't know that. I mean, even if it was a child, they'd be like a hundred and twelve. What? It's not a hundred years. It's yet. almost a hundred years old. It was nineteen twenty. It's like ninety something years old. I mean, it is very if small they were born likelihood. Then. <laughs> It was the infant killer. The infant killer. That's how it so easily went out the window. We have solved it. So now that it's your now we have to re-record the podcast. Something's birthday. Come forward. Thank you. I want to thank you personally for the content, and also I want to solve this mystery. So just email me at spiritsoddiesandmysteries at gmail dot com. Let me know that it was you and. And we'll just put this whole thing. Rest. If we actually had a lot of listeners, I'm sure we'd get like a hundred confessions <laughs> right now. All right, so I'm gonna move on to my. 
I don't know what you want to call it, story or whatever the heck it is. In our last episode, I took you through a mental journey capable of causing you to question your conscious reality with the Mandela effect. In this episode, I intend to take you down a rabbit hole that just might have you questioning your very existence. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you guys like my stories. If not, I can. I got all kinds of stuff I want to talk about. But if you enjoy these, please let me know. So I want to start by asking you a seemingly simple question. What is nothingness? I mean, true nothingness. Terrifying. Think about that for a second. I'm going to bring you down a series of thought exercises to help illustrate the point that I'm trying to make. Can I just break in here and say that they they did a study, and I heard about this not too long ago, and it might not be 50-50, but it's something close to that, that half of the population, when they think of nothingness, is calmed, and the other half actually feels dread. I am the population that feels dread. It does make sense, but I also think it happens that way because half of the population may think about nothingness in a different way so for example when some people think of nothingness they might think of floating in a vat of white light just white in every direction i think the matrix kind of emulated it that way some people think of it as in you literally are just there's nothing around like black just in every direction no sight no sound no taste they've even put people in caves and surrounded them by lack of sight and lack of sound. Just those two senses being completely unstimulated can drive you mad. I can totally relate to this because when I think of nothingness, the weird thing about imagining seeing, hearing, feeling nothing, it's so loud, I feel like I would go insane. Because It's odd that you find lack, it loud, but the, that is a, a way that some people describe lack of sound it's deafening yeah that's that's how i feel i mean i and you've never even experienced i have not all right so thought exercise number one let's start with the presupposition that there is no god as some of you may already believe the universe came into existence exactly as scientists have theorized completely and entirely by chance the result of a cosmic explosion also referred to as the big bang There is no life, no conscious existence at all. The universe could be anything or it could be nothing, as there is no entity of any kind able to observe it. Then the first life forms spontaneously spring into existence, having no knowledge of the universe around them, as they have no tools to observe it. No senses. They just are. We don't know if they have consciousness or not, but for the sake of this exercise, we will presume that consciousness is the byproduct of life and therefore they think. I'm sure you've heard, I think, therefore I am. But they cannot see, hear, taste, feel, or smell. From their perspective, they are existing in a vat of nothingness. At some point through a series of mutations, the first eyeball forms entirely by chance. Arguably, it is at this moment that the observable universe came to exist. Because prior to the first eyeball existing, nothing had ever witnessed it. Nothing at all. Like, that's that's something you have to wrap your head around. 
if nothing existed capable of observing the universe, then did the universe actually exist? It's a whole perplexing conversation, but just bear with me for a second here. The same is true for sound. Before the first ear, sound technically did not exist, and so on. This brings me to thought exercise number two, explaining true nothingness in a way that will definitely scare the crap out of you. <laughs> Imagine you woke up tomorrow completely blind. You can't even perceive the difference between light and dark. So you are completely blind, no sight, recognition whatsoever. I would be claustrophobic. Fair enough. Although there are people who do exist that cannot see. Well, no, I'm I'm just saying like going from the state that I so Yeah, because you were born, you could yes, see. Yeah. I, I was born, I can see. I'm grateful for my my sight and I feel as though if I woke up tomorrow and I could not see, I would be very claustrophobic. Then you're definitely not gonna like this because on the next day you wake up completely deaf. You can't hear, you can't even sense the vibrations of bass. You are completely and utterly deaf. At this point, I would be hyperventilating on the floor. And on the next day, you lose your ability to taste. And then on the next, you lose the ability to smell. And finally, you completely lose the ability to feel. For all intent and purpose... At this moment, from your perspective, you would not even know if the rest of the universe existed. You wouldn't know if you disappeared, so to speak, or if the rest of the universe did. You would be a mind floating in a vat of nothingness. Would your mind at that point, in the same way that when you fall asleep at night and dream up a reality to explore, is that what would happen next? Would your brain literally just go into like emergency mode and start creating a dream world for you to explore? Well, I would be screwed because I have the most boring dreams on earth. So I'd like be walking through a library for eternity which would be better than not existing at all but yes i will agree <laughs> hold that thought because we're moving on to thought exercise number three let's say we learn how to create artificial intelligence we completely understand the code we know exactly what to enter to allow that artificial mind to become consciously aware of its own existence you pull out a standalone laptop with no internet connected to it. You type in the code for a consciously aware AI life form, except you don't give it any tools to observe the world around it. No mic, no speakers, no touch-sensitive mouse pad, cameras, etc. It exists, it thinks, and contemplates its own existence. You can observe it, but it cannot observe anything it doesn't even know that you exist it doesn't know that anything in our world exists at all this sounds like the prequel to weird science i don't know what that is so i'll take your word for it what the 80s movie where they make their own hot chick oh i do know what you're talking about it i guess it kind of sounds like that. <laughs> i totally <laughs> thought you were talking about something else but all right so what would this mind do remember it's never even seen our world so it doesn't even have the ability to dream of things that it experienced when it at one time 
did have tools to observe our universe, right? Would it, in its own way, create its own universe to reside in, in the form of what we would call a dream? If it did, what would that look like? It would have nothing to base its dream world on. It could be almost exactly like the world that we reside in by chance, or it could be nothing like it at all. A completely different set of rules. If it imagined itself companions, they could be anything. But hold that thought once again. I'm going to bring you to my final thought experiment. If I hold all these thoughts, I'm going to drop one. You got to balance them all together because they're all going to come together as one amazing theory here. So in thought exercise number four, we are going to start from the presupposition that God does exist. According to most religions of this world, God was not born. He, she, or it has no beginning whatsoever. It just always was. The great I am. Before anything existed, even the atoms that would crash into each other to form the Big Bang, presuming, of course, that is what happened, do not yet exist. So here is this God. It doesn't matter which God. You can imagine a God from any religion, whatever you perceive your God to be. Just a conscious entity of any kind, for the sake of sanity and my limited imagination, we will pinpoint a moment when this entity becomes self-aware, essentially floating in a vat of emptiness, surrounded by nothing at all. Literally, nothing else exists yet. At some point, and when, is not only irrelevant, but impossible to fathom, because without anything, time itself does not yet exist. This conscious mind imagines a world, a universe, for the sake of this exercise, we are going to call this moment the beginning. Out of loneliness, it imagines companions, and in the best way that it can, it gives them minds of their own. Despite knowing every thought, dream, and desire of its imaginary companions, it gives them the illusion of free will, despite having ultimate control over everything and everybody in its dream world. Now, keeping these thought experiments in mind, I'm going to take you down the final stretch of this rabbit hole. We live in an observable universe. We can see it, hear it, smell it, touch it, and taste it. But the ultimate question is, and has always been, what is it? Every time we think we understand how the universe works, we learn how to look a little bit deeper, a little bit closer, and we come up with more questions. Now, this universe that we reside in has a set of rules that govern this perceived universe that we're seemingly bound by, and we call these rules physics. But as we look closer, we find that there are not only exceptions to these rules, but ultimately more questions than answers. We find that things aren't what they seem. The world is made up of atoms that are technically made up of more nothing than they are anything. We also find that nothing in our world actually touches anything. All right, now we're touching on existentialism. And that'll be a whole nother episode, <laughs> but I, I know where you're going with this. So it's all an illusion. 
if you take your two fingers and you and you place them together and you press hard, you'll actually see the skin indent. You'll feel your fingers press together. But under a powerful microscope, you'll find that your fingers never actually make contact with each other. The fact that no matter how hard you push, no matter how hard you feel your fingers coming together, they never actually make contact with each other. However, if you look even deeper, you'll find that not only do your fingers not touch, but even the atoms that make up our skin, blood, and bones never touch each other. It's almost as though it's all an illusion making up what we perceive as reality. So regardless of whether you believe in a God or not, the harsh reality is that every physical thing that exists in our universe at one time didn't exist at all. So technically, everything that makes up anything came from nothing. And since you can't make something physical out of nothing, perhaps nothing physical actually exists, that we all simply exist in the mind of a conscious AI program or in the mind of a god, observing an elaborate dreamed-up sandbox that we call our universe. So that's this episode. I mean, her story, my story. Is there anything else you want to add at the end of this year? Hmm. I don't think so. There I... is something I think we should add. Uh, we added it at the beginning on the previous take of attempting to record this episode, but we didn't add it this time. And that is the exciting thing we did this weekend. Oh, it was so fantastic. We went to the Renaissance Fair. And my best We friend. ate mushrooms not like the really good no no, like, no we're talking about buttered mushroom, mushrooms i'm just kidding what did we do ah, my best friend data got proposed to by tim you guys are so awesome she said yes congratulations ah, it was so awesome we were dressed up as pirates and a scallywags <laughs> went over and he he took a knee and he he was with their permission, we will post some pictures of this amazing event on our Facebook. He was such a, a captain. Took a knee, asked her. She said yes. You just said he was a pirate. Now he's a captain. All right, maybe he was the captain of our ship. Uh, I guess. For this for <laughs> this circumstance, we'll give him captain uh, rights. We will give him temporary captain duties. <laughs> he doesn't have to swab the deck because he proposed. So yeah, that was our exciting fun this weekend. It was. It was super awesome. Please check us out on Facebook. It is at Spirits Oddities and Mysteries. Also check us out on Twitter, which is at Spirits Oddity. Also follow us on Instagram, Spirits Oddities and Mysteries. All one word. And uh if email you want to us. send us an email, we already gave that to you, but it is spirits, oddities, and mysteries at gmail.com. Email us, tweet us, do all those fun things because it's awesome. And off to editing. Uh, who did our music? We want to give our credits to Kevin McLean for our intro music, a partial unedited but cut section of 
Evening of Chaos. You can find it at music from https colon slash slash filmmusic.io. License CC by http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 4.0 slash. Thanks. You did good. Thank you.